0: Seven zero seven eight hundred nine four nine eight seven zero seven.
1: Listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Uh, Today's show is going to be special because our guest is actually in the studio. And he's been here before.
2: That's right. Steve Baker, agent uh, who has uh, represented a lot of uh, pro athletes and has some very strong feelings about uh, some of the topics we're going to discuss today. So we're going to have some fun times uh, bouncing this around.
1: All right. Today, uh, let's see. We're uh, going to have the trivia question. is Going to be miscellaneous sports trivia. Uh-huh. We'll see if uh, how good Steve is. He's a he's good as uh, being a sports agent. We'll see how good his trivia is. <laughs> how good is your trivia? Well, I do
3: have one question. Yes. I parked in the thirty-minute bank parking spot. Oh, you're, you're and safe. And the show is an hour. You're so,
1: safe. That's true. Don't worry so, about it. So don't, don't tell I, anybody, but it's uh, a fake ticket. It okay. Is. okay,
2: it's not even. It yeah. looks
1: like a real one, but
2: yeah. don't. Or can we just say it.
3: we're doing two show two thirty-minute shows? There you go. Yeah.
1: yeah. You just just put a little note on there saying, hey, we're doing another show. All right. Uh, Let's see. So this uh, segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, still providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 7.5% secured by Bay Area real estate. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. you got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. So when uh, we come back, we do have Steve in the uh, studio here. We're going to talk Colin Kaepernick. We're going to talk – Jordan versus LeBron. Uh, we'll talk about the Raiders and wh- why? Did, why is Barkley so? I was just thinking, you know, Charles Barkley. He he, he don't like <laughs> LeBron too
2: much, do he? Do him? <laughs> uh, he's just he likes to stir it up. Yeah. You know, I think that's really Char- what it is. Charles Barkley yeah. is. Is fabulous on yeah, the air. So. He is. He, 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 he likes to stir it up. He's yeah. a provocateur. You know, he's an entertainer. And uh, Shaq seems to. I
1: don't know, I kind of get a little bit too l- l- lulled. That's so Sha- is. Shaq
3: is the luckiest human being yeah, on the planet to be on the – I he mean, you could, you could read the phone book while on the air with Charles Barkley and sound good. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's true.
1: All right. So don't touch that dial because you are listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
4: pacificprivatemoney.com
5: How far would you go for an unforgettable round of golf? Mount Shasta Resort is much closer than you think. Enjoy the crisp mountain air, breathtaking views and one of California's finest golf courses all waiting for you at Mount Shasta Resort. Call 530-926-3052 for your tee time and receive a free green fee when you bring your driver's license during the month of your birthday. Call 530-926-3052 or go to mountshastaresort.com for an unforgettable round of golf. Book your tee time now. Why pay membership fees to a gym when Gym Guys can bring the gym to you? Gym Guys, that's guys with a Z, is a mobile personal training company. No equipment? No problem. We bring a van with 365 pieces of equipment to your home, office, park, wherever you like to give you the highest quality personal training session. And our first assessment is always free imagine not having to go to a gym we come to you we provide convenience as well as customized and creative workouts in the setting of your choice anywhere from 5 a.m to 10 p.m our vans travel all around marin with state-of-the-art equipment and unlike gyms we don't have membership fees we work with all ages and abilities and can provide any type of workout from yoga to kickboxing kids sports programs to prenatal and postnatal fitness for moms Check out our website at gymguys.com. That's gymguys with a Z.com Or give us a call in Marin County, 415-448-8100. That's 415-448-8100. Invest in some fun this season with
6: this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host along with Bruce McGowan Bruce please re- introduce our guest
2: yeah Steve Baker a good friend of ours uh, agent for many many years worked with a number of uh, football players and other pro athletes and I gotta ask you Steve right off the bat this this whole Colin Kaepernick thing as we speak he is being courted by the Seattle Seahawks I guess the, uh, Pete Carroll is a, is a little bit of a different kind of a coach and I think he appreciates what Kaepernick can bring to the table as a as a backup potential backup to Russell Wilson maybe the same kind of style but why is Colin Kaepernick so toxic compared to some of these athletes. I mean, Aaron Hernandez, the late Aaron Hernandez, probably would have gotten a shot with some teams if he had been exonerated for that murder. A guy like Kaepernick, who has done nothing illegal, is like, uh, you know, uranium. What's the deal? I think there's a few
3: factors. I mean, you start with that if you're going to take an unpopular political stand, you better be good enough for the team to withstand the abuse they'll take for that. Good point. Um, if Colin Kaepernick were more talented, or were putting up the kind of numbers he was putting up back in the 49 or Super Bowl year, then the, the the position he took would would be would make him less less so, radioactive. Now,
1: now physi- physiologically or physically, what changed with Colin? Did he uh, get older? Did his did too many players get traded away? What, what are you thinking? I'm not sure. I mean, okay. I I think part of it is is that
3: Colin Kaepernick is ph- physically spectacular, and Um, I think on on his raw physical ability, he had success. And then the league made an adjustment that took away some of the advantages he had, and he then didn't make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Part of it could be that Harbaugh was no longer there. Part of that could be that the 49ers no longer had a defense that hit a a marginal quarterback. Um, So um, the combination that the 49ers weren't as good over time, combined with maybe some injuries, combined with um, uh, uh, that he might not have been as good as people initially thought. I, I'm mixed on Colin Kaepernick, because in one sense, I very, very strongly believe the importance of of athletes being role models and taking un, unpopular stands. I respect what Muhammad Ali did. Mm-hmm. I respect John Carlos. I mean, what, what John Carlos did at the 68 Olympics, oh, yeah. which, was, um, which was chastised then and now is the subject of monuments 40 years later. Mm. It's interesting. I, on Colin Kaepernick, I'm a little bit mixed, because in one sense, while I very much respect his right to take a position... It very much bothers me that he took that position when he had a guaranteed contract, and when he doesn't have a guaranteed contract, he no longer takes that position. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, to me, if you really have guts, you have guts at all times.
1: Well, how's it going to work if he goes to, to He's Seattle already publicly said
3: he's not going to do it. Which, to, go, to go to Seattle? Yeah, he's, he's already said that he's not going to do that anymore. And no, Biden, no, I'm
1: talking about just in general, like being a backup quarterback. Well, that's know. the
3: next issue. Another issue yeah. with Colin Kaepernick is, is I would assume that Seattle probably is interested in signing him but they're probably interested in signing him for for number 2 backup or number 3 backup yeah. money. I mean, Seattle is is right up against the cap, so I would suspect they're offering him between 1 and 3 million dollars a year, which is 25% of what he was making before. So there's not only the issue of whether someone's going to sign him, it's whether he's going to be willing to pl- pay for play for backup money.
1: And forgetting the money side of it, just the idea of being a backup quarterback.
2: That's a, that's a hard know? thing for him I think to accept. Yeah. But at the same time, I think Steve one one thing that uh, doesn 't surprise me about Colin Kaepernick because he at least is from what i 've read and what i 've heard and just in his comments he doesn 't seem like the kind of a guy right now who really thrives on all of the attention, he just wants to do the right thing. And I really believe the guy is sincere in what he, what he says. Yeah, he's made some mistakes and he's thrown a, put his foot in his mouth. But I think uh, he doesn't need football that much. And football, you know, let's face it, there are, what, 32 teams out there and there's not a lot of good backup quarterbacks. So,
3: Well, you start with right there with Bruce, is, yeah. is that it's so hard to succeed at that level that someone who doesn't want it that much, you question how much they're going to succeed. Mm. Um, you know, there it is so hard to succeed as a professional athlete. I mean, the, the the comparison I'd make is Ray Lewis. I mean, Ray Lewis, what he did was obviously far worse than what Colin Kaepernick did, mm. but Colin, but Ray Lewis, between the the lines on a football field was a, was always playing like a hall of famer. So the NFL will forget what you do mm. in other places. I agree on Aaron Hernandez. I mean, Aaron Hernandez had a terrible reputation before he ever became a star with the Patriots. In fact, that's why he was a later round draft choice. Um, teams will forgive someone's off-field if they believe it doesn't affect the on-field. Mm. Um, the problem with Colin Kaepernick is, is the on-field performance went down. Combined with that when you're the leader of the organization, when you're, when you're taking that kind of stand, it makes a team uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I want to emphasize on the other side, I think it's wonderful when players take stands. I just um I, it, I, I personally would like to see him take the same stand when he doesn't have a guaranteed yeah. contract mm. well,
1: and it didn't seem like his teammates really were bothered by no. the stand he took either you
3: know, again, it as I said I, I, uh, I, I respect the right to to I mean the, 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 the freedoms we have Fre- in this yeah. country, the thing that makes America special is that you have the right to sit down during the national anthem. I was offended by the pig socks that was that that, that offended oh, my sensibilities. Yeah. Um, but again, I respect. That's that's what freedom of speech is. But again, it's one thing to have freedom of speech when you have a twenty million dollar guarantee in your contract. It's
1: another thing to have free. It's well, another thing. Has you he know. publicly said why he's going to you know change his stance? I just read that he wasn't doing it this year. and mm-hmm. and, okay. and, and so, okay, but it could be just out of you know respect for you know. It, could, it, it might have. I didn't realize real I was being interviewed by Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, yeah. That,
2: <laughs> well, you know, maybe part of it is the fact that uh, he's moved on to a different topic too. <laughs> that sort of gave him an entree into the into the uh, social media and so on. You know, it's interesting though. Then you got a team like Cincinnati with Marvin Lewis, who I respect as a coach, but he brings in these troubled guys. Now he's he's drafted Joe Mixon, who is from the Bay Area, who's had some. A history of some domestic problems, and he's had a number of guys, Pac-Man, Jones. So there are teams that embrace these guys, give them a second chance, almost like a halfway house. And Cincinnati has had some good teams, but they've never gotten past that first round, and he continues to stick around there. That's kind of an interesting story. Well, there, I mean, there's, it's
3: almost like there's an algorithm of, of, of football talent and character. Mm. And um, I mean... Th- there's it could be argued that the Bengals maybe have gone a little bit too much where they get players like that and might that might be why they haven't advanced. Mm. On the other side, an Aaron Hernandez is going to thrive in a New England locker room where where there's such a you know a central character there that mm. someone who's maybe a bad egg wouldn't have a problem. I mean similarly I think if you added a bad egg to the Warriors now it would have less of an effect on the Warriors than the Warriors of the two thousand ten to two thousand two thousand to two thousand ten, yeah.
2: where there wasn't that kind of uh, character. No question. Um, I mean, it's a, it's like you, you create a winning culture, which is an intangible quality. You can't quantify that with statistics, but that is so valuable. And, and New England has it. The Warriors have it. Certain teams have that.
3: There is there's certainly the the great general managers and coaches figure out a way to to them. Mel- players are not stratomatic football cards. I mean, you have to. You have to meld their character. Um, I look at the Warriors. I mean, to me, the Warriors are one of the best constructed teams of all time, yep. and a lot of that is is because when their when their biggest star, you know, Steph Curry before Durant came there, when their biggest star has that kind of character, yep. and you see the, the, the when you see the superstar working harder than anyone else, it it inspires everyone else. I I think that's why the Raiders now, the Raiders now have a core of great players, and so they could they could now add other qualities, and and the Niners maybe can't get away with things they could have gotten away with twenty years ago.
1: How's Derek Carr's leg? Is it, uh,
3: i i am not Derek carr's uh, agent so i don't know but i think Derek carr is is on the verge of becoming one of the great nfl quarterbacks okay. i mean yeah. is, is his
1: leg uh it's
3: supposed nice to be very
2: quality. in good shape you know the good news was yeah. that it wasn't a spiral fracture it was a clean break and the rehabilitation went very well and he's a young guy so you know hopefully donald penn spoke yesterday or a couple of days ago about how i felt really badly because donald penn never Ever in his career, the Raider left tackle, let a, a guy get in and nail mm-hmm. a quarterback, and he just has a lot of uh, regretful feelings about that. But he said, I'm never going to let that happen again. That's, that's the yeah, worst thing ever happened. Really let, yeah. But let's look at at Derek
3: Carr for a second. To me, Derek Carr could be like a Harvard Business School study mm. of player development. His brother, David, yeah. was probably a much more talented quarterback than Derek. I mean, David was the number one pick in the NFL draft, who was seen as a complete NFL washout. Yeah. Both players have un- impeccable character. But David went to a bad situation with a line that gave you less protection than the Maginot. Oh, yeah, line. that's.
1: I mean, that's a huge. Quarterback is not a one position. If, type. if David
3: Carr. Had been drafted by the Raiders when Derek was. David Carr might be a Hall of Famer. Mm. Yeah, I mean when you
1: have when you have a good strong line, I mean you know that's going to make a huge difference. Look what Kenny
2: Stabler had. He had uh, Jim Otto, Art Shell, and Gene Upshaw, three Hall of Famers blocking for him. That's all he needed. He didn't need
1: need anyone else uh, on the uh, front line. Okay, we're going to cut to our first commercial break. Again, Steve, remember the rules. Don't answer until after we get back from break. <laughs> Which tennis player has won the most men's Grand Slam titles? Mm. Like I said, well, this is this is a miscellaneous. Uh, a I like this. I
3: like this miscellaneous. Yeah, yeah. miscellaneous? Okay. You're Going to give us a choice? Or you just you know, We know, have to. Know, we you have to, know, know what's to. really nice is is I can see the answers to the later questions. Ah, ah. But But but, <laughs> but <laughs> this one this one I didn't see the answer. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but I know it. Do
1: you? Ah. Oh yeah. you Yeah. I know you know these things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Stay with us. Sports Econ One will be right back.
9: your process lower your monthly mortgage payments save your home and your credit but you must act now call 800-274-7312 800-274-7312 not available in all states paid non-attorney spokesperson
1: welcome back to sports econ 101 edward brown here along with bruce mcgowan and our special guest Mr. Steve Baker. Okay, first trivia question was easy. Which tennis player has won the most men's Grand Slam titles?
2: And I'm going to let Steve answer that one. We I'll both, the, know, we I'll both say, know. I'll say the first name. You say the second okay. name. Okay. <laughs> Roger. It's got to be Roger. I was going to say Roger Federer. There I know it used to be, years ago, Rod Laver, and I think after that wasn't Pete Sampras. Yeah,
1: I
3: yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. But, and Roger Federer is still playing. Yeah, Roger Federer yeah. not, is incredible. Not
3: playing at the French, though. No.
2: Yeah. How old is he? He's got to be about 34 now. I think he's at least 34. But wow. he, he,
3: he's taking off the French to focus on Wimbledon. There you
2: go. Oh, okay. Wimbledon's a lot of fun. I, I got to cover the U.S. Open a couple of times, and that's fun, too.
3: Kentucky Derby and Wimbledon are on my bucket list.
2: Oh, you got to go to Kentucky Derby. Now, that have is you a been fun, there? Yes, I did cover the Triple Crown in 1981, and oh. Pleasant Colony was on the verge oh, or a that's... bunch of horses that have come close to winning it, and he, he somehow... You know, that long course at the Belmont is what screws up a lot of horses. Yeah. They're built for the shorter track, and that's why a lot of them win the first two and don't win the third. Interesting. Yeah. Affirmed Aladar and Believe It, 1978. Yeah. I still remember go. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's going back a few years. Yeah. I don't know why I remember that
1: one.
3: Oh, that's a, that was a good, that was a the great story of great Aladar was, would be yeah. you know, quite special. It yes. Would always the
2: eternal second place. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, Steve Baker sports agent extraordinaire.
2: And we were talking a little bit about the Raiders because the Ra- yeah. and that, this is an yeah, intriguing story. The Raiders Steve, I don't remember any pro team that had its foot half out the door. It was on its way to going somewhere. It was only going to play a year, two years, three years, whatever. I mean, this is unprecedented. did what the are,
1: Raiders do that in Oakland and well they, they go when they went to L.A.? They actually <laughs> didn't get
2: the, the go-ahead to move to L.A. And, until the 81 season was done. It was kind of a fait accompli, but nobody okay. knew for sure. And, of course, they got the sympathetic jury in Los Angeles. But this is unprecedented, <clears throat> Steve. What, what's the Raider – what is the fan reaction going to be like? Because they're kind of a cult team. They're not really a regional team, are they?
3: You know, I think because the Raiders are good, they'll have a lot of attention. I mean uh, – so I mean the Raiders the Raiders might be the best team in football right now they're that good. Um,
1: now how do you know that in a preseason or I just I mean I just preseason. look at last year
3: I mean they have a you know the they have one of the best pass rushers in football in Mac they have a franchise quarterback um, in Carr they have a Pro Bowl wide receiver I mean they are. They're they're one of the best teams in football, and the, the Raiders becoming the, the way the Raiders have become the Raiders over the last couple of years is is quite a story. Because you know, to be honest, to some extent, I think they've had the success they've had because of the lack of meddling from the ownership.
2: <laughs> Isn't that ironic? I mean, Al Davis built this team into for twenty years; they were a dynasty, and then because of Al, he he turned off so many people. of was. His trusty assistants fell by the wayside, and he was running the show himself and it was It was kind of sad. It was yeah. like watching norma Desmond in that in that famous Hollywood movie, you know where she 's reliving the past and al Al the last few years I got to know him pretty well. It was really painful watching him go through this succession of coaches and oh players. What, one of
3: the surreal moments of my life was when I had to call Al Davis and tell him the Jeff Garcia didn't want to stay on the team and back up Jamarcus Russell. Um, that was not a fun conversation. Boy, I no, I mean, Al Davis, even at the end, yeah. knew more about football than any other owner in yeah. football. But, uh, hmm. but that's exactly right. Um, the lack of
2: a personnel department... Really let the team um, after the Gruden days fall apart. I got a quick Al Davis story I got to throw in here because just it flashed. I mean, I want to relate this to what we're talking about. the The famous game, the Tuck game, where Tom Brady, you know, was called (laughs) for fumbling and then they overruled it and said no, it wasn't a fumble. And I was doing sidelines on the Raider broadcast on the flight home. The flight was delayed because of the snow, and we were sitting on the tarmac. And most of the players were taking it easy, and they, you know, they were upset, but they weren't making a lot of noise. Al Davis was stalking the jetway back and forth up and down and you could hear him muttering you know we got jobbed again we got jobbed again and i'm thinking to myself my god this guy takes losing hard he did i well, mean i mean it, it well
3: first of all the, the, the raiders did get screwed in yeah, that play and sure. i remember for about six months after that whenever you got a fax from the raiders it was a picture of brady fumbling <laughs> oh, um, that's it was, funny. Funny. Ah, it was, it that's was right i forgot i i i saved that in my that's oh. it, that's in, that's, in, that's in my
2: files yeah I was about 40 feet away from that play when it happened, and it was unbelievable. I mean, everybody in the sidelines is celebrating. Greg Papa, the play-by-play voice, is, is going nuts. And all of a sudden, whoa, wait, 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 wait a minute. What? Coleman's going over to the sideline. Walt Coleman is, is going to consult. No, they can't overturn this. And I remember the anticipation on the Raiders' sideline. Everybody was, what? Yeah. Yeah, that was know. a strange. That was a surreal moment. I
1: mean, didn't they kind of like invent the rule that that right then and there?
2: I, it
3: was. I, I don't remember the specifics, but what I do remember is, is during that period, the Raiders were on the verge. I mean, you think of how the NFL changed. I mean, yeah. that was that then led to the dynasty, dynasty of, yeah. Of, of, yeah. of of New England and, and yeah. the Raiders for two straight years were, were maybe the best team in football. Yeah, and uh, I mean the combination of of Gruden and Davis with them each modulating each other. Um, the Raiders are on the verge of becoming one of the really strongest teams in football and that, that was that was and then for a yeah. decade and a half it disappeared.
2: I was going to say that was yeah. gruden 's last game too. I mean if they win that game, they go on to the championship. Gruden stays around maybe, and who knows what happens yeah, It feels like a Ray Bradbury novel like the butterfly oh <laughs> <effect. laughs> there you go yeah that 's true. It is interesting though how worlds turn on one play it 's amazing middle, no I mean middle.
3: that yeah. that
1: that is one of the most significant episodes of 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 professional sports in the last well, 20 years. Well, the, the quote, uh, the one play, as uh, right now I'm just immediately thinking of Kawhi Leonard. Mm. You know, I mean, they were up by what, 20 something points? Yeah, you know, I mean, not saying that that suddenly. The, they the bummer won, for me but, is, I mean, it, the Warriors were a much better team. Than true, true but, it, but I just find it very interesting that, that literally right after that play, nothing for, yeah. for San Antonio.
3: I, I, I agree, but I also, I, you know, they, they the still own, wouldn't have won. The only, the only thing, the, thing that's going to derail the warriors is is Stop Steph getting, getting hurt. hurt again yeah. and people yeah. keep forgetting you know Steph Steph was playing on a sprained knee last
2: year that's right, right. i mean if the not yeah. if,
3: i mean if 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 Steph doesn't sprain his knee in the first playoff series the warriors beat cleveland but durant's probably not on the yeah. team right yeah now. Yeah, that, so, yeah exactly isn't that ironic if they yeah. do, if they
2: won last year they wouldn't have gone after durant yeah. they wouldn't be this great team they wouldn't have all these new young players that they bought and i would, suspect they would have gone after durant i just yeah, suspe- i wonder if
3: durant would have yeah. gone to a place where
2: he couldn't bring put them over the top. Interesting thing about Durant, nobody talks about this. If you are an athlete, wouldn't you rather be living, especially if you're an NBA player, wouldn't you rather be living in the Bay Area than Oklahoma City? I mean, no disrespect to Oklahoma City, but who'd want to live in Oklahoma City? Well, how many players live... You know, year round. Yeah,
3: that's a good question. Think of the team that Oklahoma City had five years ago. Oh yeah,
2: Harden and Westbrook. Yeah, they were were on the verge of greatness. It's just not a place where you'd want. I mean, Oklahoma City is not even a place you'd want to visit. I hope. I hope there's no people down there listening that are offended when I say that. But I've been there a few times. I don't know if you guys have, but it's not a place to. You you really you know you take one look around. Five minutes later, you want to get out of town. The story that
3: encapsulates Durant to me. That, and and I, I totally respect the decision he made. Was I remember reading in the paper last year during the OKC Warriors playoff? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, a woman with a son at, at the OKC at an OKC game. I think it was game four after the Warriors lost. Walked up to Curry, asking him to sign, um, huh. asking him to sign his son her son's jersey, and she sheepishly apologized, saying, "I'm sorry, he's a fan because he was wearing a, a Durant jersey," <laughs> and Curry signs the jersey, saying, "So am I." And to me, that capsulates huh. how special the Warriors are and how special Curry is. I mean, we, you know, I just, you know, we have to enjoy what we have here because ten years from now we're yeah. going to be remembering this and saying, "Remember when?" Exactly. This yeah. is unprecedented.
2: It, it's it's fun too. I, I get to go to a lot of games and talk to these guys, and it is a special group of athletes. There's not a bad apple in that bunch. They're interesting people. David West is. Fascinating. He has all these different interests, and and Andre Iguodala is very thoughtful, very contemplative. Curry is the kind of guy you'd want your daughter to bring oh, home. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant is a squeaky guy, as squeaky yeah, clean as guys you can. It's, imagine.
3: They, are, they are they're they're phenomenal. Yeah. it's I can't wait for these finals. Yeah. And, uh,
1: now I- Iguodala had uh, a hurt knee, but he played a little bit. Iguodala's blood. played recently, yeah, but yeah. you know, yeah, but right.
3: but and listen, the, the the thing that's scary. About these finals is LeBron. I think the Warriors are are better, but LeBron is arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I do think it's a travesty that LeBron has only won four MVPs. I mean, <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, mean, but think about it. I mean, yeah. he's now going to probably go to his seventh straight mm. NBA Finals. Is, no. it, yeah.
2: is it unfair to compare? I mean, comparisons are always something that fans love to do, but is it unfair to compare him with Michael Jordan?
3: I don't think it's unfair at all. Yeah. I mean, I, th-
2: I think you give it to Jordan because of Jordan's
3: clutch play, that, mm. that LeBron, LeBron is not seen as the closer that Jordan was. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't believe anyone in basketball history has accomplished what LeBron's had. I mean, think about it. There's, ne- there's not been a single of these NBA finals where he clearly had the superior team. Um, the Miami teams are overrated because I'm um, you know he ended up yeah. you know I mean Bo- Bosch wasn't great no. and and, and, the and Wade and, was good and Wade was good but he good. wasn't Wade anymore yeah. I mean now I mean listen the guard with, with Cleveland now is is pretty special but I mean yeah. it's it's what LeBron has accomplished is
1: unbelievable mm-hmm. and, is. and the reality is is Cleveland without LeBron is a 30 win team yeah and well I think it was interesting it's like you know cuz I, I remember watching Jordan a lot and and he obviously was was great, but he I mean he was very talented and you could see it, but the way LeBron plays sometimes, it's like a men among boys. Like
3: oh, he, that's he a just, good that's a
2: good comparison. Right, he yeah. just drives. right I mean, from the no, start. Yeah. He,
1: yeah, Jordan never was like a men among boys. Yeah, see, just, I disagree
3: with you. I think LeBron I think Jordan was I think I mean I mean, I remember, well, I remember, you know, the, I remember LeBron this. LeBron is so stuff. much bigger, but yeah. Jordan Jordan's yeah. athleticism was spectacular. It, oh, it know? was, but and, but and, he
1: didn't seem to be he, he was I guess I, I'm trying to. No, I, out know, I know what you're saying. I do understand. It, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, listen, LeBron yeah. is.
3: There's never been an athlete like him. I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, ba- he basically plays point guard for Cle- yeah, for Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's incredible. He's incredible. It's I, the way I, and, he
2: imposes his will physically, and it's palpable. Yeah, that, you that, can see I know, it. Like I guess what I'm I about. believe. Yeah. I believe the
3: most underrated athlete in the world is LeBron James. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, he is by so. By such a large margin, the best basketball player on the planet. Mm. I mean, and I yeah. mean, he's. I mean, I love yeah. Steph Curry. Steph Curry is my favorite athlete yeah, of all yeah. time.
1: But just LeBron is so dominant. and yeah, that's that's what I'm getting is the is the, the domination on mm. that. Okay, here's our second trivia question. And again, no cheating. According <laughs> to NBA rules, how long does a player have after catching the ball to shoot a free throw? Now, ah, again, I, I am
3: not a cheat, and that's why I'm telling you I read the answer. On the back of your page, so I know the answer. That's still cheating. Oh. No, because I'm I'm
2: admitting it. Okay. And, and <laughs> I'm an not going to. Oh, okay. And I'm I'll not, not cheating my the test in the yeah. Okay. How'd you All read the right. back? got X-ray on. vision. You can read don't backwards t- What's t- going t- on here? T-
1: don't touch that dial. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, along with Bruce McGowan and... Our cheat, Steve Dawson. No, just kidding. <laughs> he knows the he answer. As, as George
3: Costanza said, it's not cheating if you don't believe it. That's okay, right. there yeah. you go.
1: Hey, I don't believe not, wait,
3: wait. It's not cheating if I tell you I know the answer and I don't give you the answer 10 seconds. <laughs> well, then let me try, mean, try to answer And it. did
1: you know that there's no starving children in Africa? I don't believe it, so yeah. it, it doesn't mean they're. Yeah. they're oh, okay, okay all right. and Conway in the house. All right. <laughs> <laughs> According to NBA rules, how long does a player have after catching the ball to shoot a free throw?
2: That's a good question. I, I'm going to guess 10 seconds.
1: That is correct. Ten, ten seconds. seconds. Okay, now did I'm you- going to guess that too. Okay, very good. And it's not cheating because now you know the answer. <laughs> so I'm going to. Did you Did you see my last question?
3: No, I only saw the ten seconds. Okay,
1: second then then I'm glad because it's a hard one. Okay, I had to keep one hard <laughs> one for you there. All right, so Steve Baker, who is a sports agent, who's been on our show many times, good friend of ours.
2: I could ask Steve a question. Yeah. I, you know. When you go in and negotiate a contract and you're sitting down with a hard-ass owner, and these guys are obviously trying to get the best deal, how do you play that game, that psychological game of give and take? I mean, you have to kind of – it's almost like you have to know your opponent, know your – A poker game. Yeah, it, it is almost like a poker game, isn't it? There's a lot of psychology going on. How do, how do you How do you get to be good at that? I mean, I think step one is preparation. You have to
3: know your your client inside out and their their strengths and weaknesses.
2: You were a lawyer.
3: A That's lawyer. a lawyer. That's how you, you. You don't get trained. Cha- you go. You don't get trained in negotiation in law school. Um, really? huh. no, no, I mean no. I mean I. No. I don't think law school prepares you for anything except being in law school. Gotcha. But um, I mean, actually, the better the law school you're at, the, the less the yeah. less you're learning law. Um, but you are learning how to think okay. like a lawyer. Um, no, I mean negotiating contracts is, is just it, it's 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 experience. I mean, how do you succeed as a journalist? It's it's writing journalism pieces. I, but I think no, I real estate. It's negotiation. Step 1 is um is is knowing your client and and knowing who you're negotiating with. Um I think my mind um defaults towards always looking at the other side of a problem as yeah. a negotiator. And That's I try smart. and i I approach something of what what the other side's perspective is, yeah, and then figure out what smart. what what their needs are and what my needs are. you got to know
1: mean, when you're strong, you got to know when you're weak one right? one of the
3: best deals I ever did was for a team that had just been sold and um and I knew that the owner was cash poor ah. and so I structured a contract where there was very little upfront money but but a clause that triggered a lot of money being paid in the in the deal six months later, and it was fully guaranteed so I ended up getting a client a deal that that jumped out of the round. I mean, significantly higher than the players taken around him because I was willing to have him paid six months later. Mm. And, and and six months is not and, a long and, time. And, I mean, it'd six be months one thing are, if it was six years. Right. six months know? is not a long time. Yeah. and um but but I knew that for the ownership because they were waiting for their first television check, it was huge. Mm-hmm. So it ended up. For a real precedent set in contract, you're a
1: very, very smart man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you dealt with a lot of you, know, you do deal with a lot of owners who are. You know, can you talk a little bit about? I know you're talking out of school here a little bit. Can you talk about some guys that are really tough negotiators? That you, I mean, not only do you have to be prepared, but you're you got to take your lumps with these guys. My
3: experience is the farther you're, the more you deal with teams that are away from oceans, the harder they are to deal. Really? with. Really? No, why is that? Um, I don't know. Oh. I mean, if there's something about teams that are near oceans that are – maybe it's more liberal and more more creative. I more mean, money, maybe. I mean, mid- Midwestern teams, I mean, dealing with the Indianapolis Colts or dealing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, very, very smart teams, but I found those to be hmm. very challenging negotiations. Um, but the, the reality is, is huh. that the, – the, and, again, I have a lot of respect for what they've done, but the, 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 the real key to negotiating is having a great client. I mean, mm. I, mean I, sure, I did sure. some – for example, some of the best work I ever did was for Jeff Garcia yeah. – but it also helped that Jeff Garcia went on a run of four Pro Bowls. So I mean, it, you know when you had yeah. when you were playing when you represent. I mean, he's the first player the Niners ever had to have two straight thirty touchdown seasons. So when someone has that
1: kind of success, it gives you a little bit of extra leverage.
2: Mm. Good point. I can
1: just imagine how much you're rooting for your clients, not only for them but for yourself. You oh, know? <laughs> I, I,
3: I, I There was. A, I mean, I I I I became very close with Bill Walsh during the time that he was with uh with, with the 49ers. and we used to actually go to breakfast maybe once every. Five six months, and there was nothing like sitting in the in the middle of Woodside at a breakfast place, having lunch with Bill Walsh. And but, there's no
1: <clears throat> conflict of interest type, you know, where it's like you get, I, you know, I'm just, you I mean, what I'm getting not, at. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you have you have a sports agent who is getting in with you know the coach, and it's like i, think know, I mean, it having a relationship. I mean, That's I had really a problem good. that he had cheese with his.
3: I don't remember, but the <laughs> but the no, but like for, but one of one of the most fun deals I ever negotiated was in um in um September, it was in the summer of nineteen ninety actually i don't know it was it was in nineteen ninety nine and it was right when my when my um right after my kids had been born and uh we were about ten million dollars apart on a contract and um we ca- we came up with a clause where if jeff was in the top three Actually, as I'm clarifying, it was in 2001. If Jeff was in the top three quarterbacks in the league in quarterback rating, he got a $10 million bonus. I mean, we were $10 million apart. We can create a bunch of different stats. So going into the last game of the season, Jeff was fourth. And in his last game of the season, he had a surreal game, and he averaged something like 10 yards per pass Mm. on uh, on the pass. And he ended up passing Brett Favre by one-tenth of a percentage point, <laughs> becoming the third-ranked <laughs> quarterback in the league. Now, his deal was it was a special deal before that, but this deal made him the highest-paid yeah. quarterback wow. in football. And, I mean, you, you talk about fantasy sports. Sitting yeah. sitting <laughs> in the stadium, knowing that he had just hit a, a clause that was going to make an extra $10 million was surreal.
1: I wonder, now, you knew that, because you're, I mean, I'm mean, i sure it was right in, on the tip of your brain. How much of it was going through his mind? You know? uh, none. Probably he, d- nothing, he didn't know. He d- yeah. he
3: d- and it would have been malpractice on my part. To let him know that. Yeah. I mean, I, that wasn't on his mind at all. Um, wait, wait
1: why, why would that be? I mean, because you're, you're not telling him to sandbag. I mean, be the opposite. Okay,
3: malpractice might be extreme. Yeah. Um, and and I'm I you know this is alpha, I'm already morally challenged having read the answer on your last. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I I I don't I don't think you I don't think you put the added pressure. And, and I could also say this in all my oh, years oh. in all my years of representing players, I've never once been with a player where they did it for the money. They want to be rewarded. For, for doing well, mm. and there's competitiveness to, to be rewarded. But sure, sure. you don't get to that level if you're doing it for the money.
1: Well, okay, so I'm thinking about the NBA, and I can't remember the player off the top of my head, but it, 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 he had a class, an, like an extra $500,000 if his three-point average was like 40%, or something like a 40%, um, and, he, and he knew he was like 40.1%. He stopped taking three-pointers for the last, like, three games. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he well, you know, there's the good. famous
3: thing with with Ted Williams where he was he oh, yeah. was at 400, uh, that's right. the final game of the season. and They wanted to bench him, and he said no, and then he went on and had a three hit game and yeah. went up to
2: 406. Yeah, you mentioned Bill Walsh. What a fascinating character! I was lucky enough to cover those teams closely, but he was always kind of aloof from the press almost a mythical figure and i got to know him slightly and actually got to sit down with him and do a long interview with him about six months before he died but you had a different relationship with this guy and you got to know him almost intimately oh we we Uh, would sit at breakfast to talk about condoleezza rice i mean
3: he was uh. a he 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 was so brilliant Mm. um um you know he 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 was incredible i mean he was incredible what do you think of
2: condoleezza rice he respected her as a person, but didn't agree with her politically. Yeah, well, she was an interesting woman. I went to school with her, and she was kind of an anomaly, to say the least. But that, they were in the same. They were at Stanford at the yeah, same that's, time. Where that's they? where it
3: triggered. No, I, I mean he was he just an incredible man. Yeah. And um, um, you know, let's face it he's on he's on the NFL's Mount Rushmore, as I see it. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he for sure, always
2: you know. had a chip on his shoulder, though, because he got to, to become a head coach at kind of a later age. I mean, he was in his forties but kind of towards the end of his 40s. And Paul Brown actually kind of hindered his career, even though he helped him out, and he was a great assistant to Paul Brown. I always felt that Walsh had a little bit of a, a little resentment there, and maybe that came out in his reaction in dealing with the media because he was always kind of defensive with us in the media. Well, uh, for
1: the audience who doesn't remember the stories about um, Paul, Paul Brown, Brown. and Bill Walsh yeah
2: you know but well he was at Cincinnati this is after many years at Cleveland and he he loved uh, Bill Walsh as an assistant but when he left he anointed a guy named Bill Johnson uh, Bill Tiger Johnson as the the new coach and Walsh left and went to San Diego Walsh always he never really forgave him and I think it was funny I noticed this Steve after wins Walsh was always kind of defensive you guys said this week that we were going to get you know have all sorts of trouble but when he'd lose a game he was fascinating because he would you could see it really tore him up but he was well, much more reflective that edge could be part of, you know when you
3: get to yeah. great success the, that edge is what keeps you going but yeah. on the other side of bill walsh is there's probably no one i've ever seen who was more willing to hire superstars to work with him mm. when you look at the staff he created i mean he he surrounded himself with a with a with a um, with, with some of the best minds in sports which is you know there's so many head coaches that came off of his staff yeah. so one thing i've always respected about him is is his willingness to to higher greatness around him, and, and not having a problem being questioned as long as he respected the people that were questioning. See,
1: I, I think it wasn't that the problem with Mark Jackson and the Warriors. Did, no he, question,
2: he, Mark Jackson did, wanted to have. I hate the exact to say opposite. This. Yeah, he wanted yeah. to have yes men around him, and these guys you couldn't talk to them. He he prohibited it, and they were they would freak out if you came up and asked him for an interview. He's very strange that way. And I think I think he took the Warriors out of their funk and got them into a winning mode. But Steve Kerr took them the next. Let level. Me, let me tell you something. one one thing. Watching the Bay Area sports scene the next couple of years,
3: I know John Lynch pretty well. And John the, Lynch, the general manager the, of the 49 general manager yeah. of the Forty ers and yeah. he's to me very reminiscent of Steve Kerr, mm-hmm. someone who was an athlete. Someone who has unbelievable personality skills, someone who has confidence in his abilities, but is is very willing to um, surround himself with excellence. And I, I, I actually really believe the Niners are going to turn it around now. I agree. I her. think I think I think the Lynch hire was one of the one of the
2: really really great hires. I, I absolutely agree. I remember when they had the uh, press conference for him. I thought, my God, I've always liked John Lynch, and this this could turn out to no, be I, a I, good I,
3: move. I again, I, I, um, I, I, I t- to me, John Lynch is very reminiscent of Steve Kerr.
1: Interesting, and you know why Bill Johnson got it instead of um, Bill Walsh? Bill Walsh, why is that? His middle name? Did you say Tiger? Tiger. Yeah, that's right. Bengals. There you go. Yeah. And that, it, it yeah. kind of goes without. Saying, I don't think anybody
2: remembers Bill Tiger uh, Johnson anymore. No, yeah. I,
1: I, no, no, not too much. Yeah.
2: That may not even be his name. I may, I may you know, <laughs> I may have <laughs> forgotten. he just gave him a nickname. Yeah, I just gave him a nickname. No. Now it's interesting, you know, the personality. To me, Steve, that's the part that I would think as a as a agent that you love is you get to know these people intimately, and you get to know all their quirks and all their, uh, you know, eccentricities. But also, you you get to see the side of them that fans don't see, that we in the media don't even see. The thing about
3: it's a very challenging business, but when it's right, when when you're dealing with a great person, when you're involved in a in a complex negotiation, when you're dealing with special people, you sit back and. You you look up in the sky and say, you're amazed you get paid to do this.
2: Um, Those
3: moments are not always there because there are a lot of tough moments. But when it's right, it's incredible.
2: Is Um, that something you wanted to do, though, from an early age? Or you just kind of fall into this thing accidentally? I
3: wanted to be an entertainment producer or agent. Mm -hmm. Okay. uh, When I was in law school, I took a job writing game show questions. Interesting. uh, In Hollywood. And my my father was... um, my father was Ed Sullivan's attorney, and he really? also did legal work for John Lennon. And wow. you, did you get and it all
1: off the internet, uh, the
3: There was no internet. <laughs> but we, we, they had just invented fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, you know... <laughs> it 's actually pretty funny because I have a good friend of mine who turned me on to this new concept last year called Pandora, you know, which oh, has yeah. been around yeah, forever, yeah. So, but I only started yeah. using it last year is that right but, uh, yeah, yeah. it 's pretty scary wow. um, even, even i 'm a little further along uh, it's, it's, than it's, that. it's i 'm actually I like it i 'm yeah. actually pretty good on tech but but it 's amazing that I waited so long for pandora but um uh i uh it, 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 it is. seems
2: natural though then i mean considering your background that it, it, this was something it, it if you look back at your youth you probably thought that might be an area no, where no, you I, can, I, yeah. I, I i was in love with the
3: idea of, of putting together movies and, and mm. i mean i'm i'm a big broadway buff and wow um my, my son and i speak to each other in hamilton <laughs> you
2: know, so, uh. so maybe so. you would, if you hadn't been a, a sports agent theatrical agent, <laughs> i want to be the heterosexual nathan yeah.
1: you know? lane <laughs> 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 all right here we go on on that note uh. okay who was the first latin american born player to play in major league baseball oh all right good question. it's not as easy as you think okay yeah. So, again, here's our question. Who was the first Latin American born player to play in Major League Baseball? Wow. Man. Okay.
2: I'm having a brain fart on this one. Well, brain freeze, I should brain say. Brain freeze, okay. Yeah.
1: All right, so stay with us when uh, Sport Econ 101 comes back. We're going to have some closing comments. Don't touch that dial.
0: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063, 800-957-6063.
1: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my favorite co-host, Bruce McGowan. Third and final trivia question. This time, I think we're going to stump the guys here. Who was the first Latin American-born player to play in Major League Baseball?
2: Got to go way back to the turn of the century, and I'm that thinking some kind of a And we're not talking like,
1: about 1999 to 2000 turn I, I, of the century. I'm thinking Adolph Luke. Is that the guy's name? No.
2: Chief Bender. <laughs> Chief, Chief Bender was actually <laughs> well, a – chip. Indian. Yeah, right? he was Chippewa. Chippewa, uh, yeah. Yeah, he went to Carlisle School for Indians. Can you just yeah. move that paper a little bit so I can see Yeah, say yeah.
3: about <laughs> <laughs> this right. Who was it? Okay, it,
1: it was – Luis Manuel Castro from Venezuela oh, for gosh. the Philadelphia A's in 1902. Wow. Well, I'm going to give you half credit oh. for getting at Connie least the, Mack, turn the, yeah. well, to the turn of the century. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, though, did... Connie Mack oh, was, yeah, that's the, right. he was the manager owner. He yeah, was yeah. back then, yeah, because he yeah. did it for 50 years. 50 years. Nobody's what? ever going to break that record. Oh, he started about 1901, I think. 1901. Yeah.
2: 1902. Well, the league began Major League Baseball. Actually, the World Series started in 03. But, you know. Yeah. And
1: 1911, they won the championship, right? And they won a couple of championships. Yeah, like yeah. back-to-back 1911. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. So, uh, again, we want to thank our favorite sports agent, Steve Baker, for joining us yet again. Great, and, great stuff, Steve. Thank yeah, you very so much. Good. I'm
3: glad I've elevated to favorite by the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, because <that one. laughs> yeah, we've had a few on. you
1: yeah. know.
2: We actually have. We have.
1: Okay, uh, here's our thoughts for the day. I do not want the peace which passeth understanding. I want the understanding which bringeth peace. Ooh. Helen Keller said that one. And people seldom do what they believe in. They do what is convenient and then repent.
2: I who, do what I want. Who says that? Who says I do what I want?
1: No. The, who said that? I, I don't <laughs> that know. Bob Dylan.
2: Bob Dylan. Wow. Yeah. You you know could, know who said I do what I want?
1: Everyone. Everyone. No, um, that's an American saying. No, but they're, but they're the way you said it though, uh, it's right. some y-
2: some TV show. What is it? Uh, Ricky Henderson. No, I don't know. Some some kids yeah, show.
1: Uh, okay, Car- well, Cartman. Well,
2: is that the name of the character? Cartman. That's, I don't that's know. South Park. South Park. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's South Park. Isn't that yeah. a cartoon?
1: It is. You're back yeah. to watching cartoons I do what again? I I want. Well, I get,
2: my, I get this from a friend of mine. He says, you always tell tell me, you know, you're going to do what you want. So Bruce's theory it. or philosophy is, I do what I want.
1: Okay. And on that note, <laughs> tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week.
2: Good night, America.
1: So on.